Hey guys, welcome back to Couple Goals with us and I'm. Hello everyone. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? Hey, I think we should address how we ended last week's episode. Oh, for our listeners, I don't want to. You don't want to address it. First at all? of all, I think very few people actually listen to the end. So, so I they don't might think want they might enjoy an explanation. I think only Steve listened, and we've already explained to him. <laughs> you just think of Steve as it. He's the only That's one who listened to the he's end. He's the only one who's commented. <laughs> so you think that because he's the only one who said anything? Well, he, he loved the abrupt, weird ending. Well, uh, there you go. So no uh, explanation needed. So what happened anyway? So I was I was going on one of my anti-religious rants, which I tend to do because okay, I hate religion. Okay. All right. All right, listener, here we go. Well, oh, no, I wasn't going to go into it again. Sam's, Sam's dying. Sorry. Um, so what happened was we started talking. <laughs> like about, we do. <laughs> yeah, we started talking on our We're podcast. about the, the abortion thing and just the whole supposedly no, you, Christian point of view. You started ranting about how the only... The only person who is pro-killing babies appears to be God based on the Bible. Right, because I've read the Bible multiple right. times, and I, I understand it pretty well because it lays like, it out in, in pretty plain terms. Right, so you freaked out about that. The genocidal maniac that God is. Yeah, so you were freaking out about that. And that was that was one thing that I already made me uncomfortable. I was just staring off into the distance because I was like, all <laughs> well, right. But why does it make you uncomfortable? Just because I don't want to hear it. But you understand that I'm literally just, I, it's just the Old it. Testament. I get it. That there is literal facts to base this up that there are basis, base this. Wait, what? Back, back. That's the, I'm sorry, guys. It is 11 o'clock at night. I just woke up from a nap. <laughs> so there's literal facts to back this up, because if people are using the Bible to back up pro-life, then they need to use the Bible to back up the fact that the only person who's for killing babies appears to be God. Right. So anyway. So you're going off on that, and I'm already like, ugh, no thanks. But I wasn't like, cut it. I was just like, ugh. And then you told me the world's saddest story about Keanu Reeves. And, I didn't think it was sad. I found about, it comforting. But Shut up. So then you told me this <laughs> super sad thing about Keanu Reeves and, like, what happens after you die and Keanu Reeves. and de- I don't want to talk about it. Well, I wasn't going to go into detail. It's you. So, so you started to you told me the super sad thing and it made me just start crying. <laughs> she turned she turned her head away from me. And I'm just talking to, like, the back of her head at this point, And I'm just going, Maggie, Maggie, hey, wait, are you crying? <laughs> are you crying right now? What did I say? What did I do? So I just cut all that out because I didn't want to get. And then she turns around and she's she's got super cry face going and she's trying to hold it back. And then she just unleashed. I was like, oh, I fucked up. I made you cry. I wasn't that was not the goal at all. That was not, I, I was sharing what I thought was like a sweet, comforting sentiment. But Sean has no idea what's sweet and comforting. He made me like <laughs> sob during our wedding. He has no. Why, did I, why were you sobbing during our wedding? <sighs> I don't know. And then, like, you were trying to comfort me by, like, kissing my hands, which just made me sob harder. It's like, just (laughs) stop it. I thought you were sobbing with regret at that point. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Regret that you keep trying to kiss my hands. Like, (laughs) knock that shit off. Just trying to. Yeah, I was trying to be comforting. But yeah, you like when when you're you're tearing up in a theater like you don't like it when I try to, like, yeah, touch your. Anything. Leave me. Let me get my shit together. Like, stop Why trying does to touch, partake. What does touching do, though? Like, when no, I touch your shoulder touch me. or your stop hand. touching me. What does it do? Like, what is it? Does it, it exacerbate things? Yes. Like, it makes you sadder? Yes. 
are you being serious? Or you just... I'm being a hundred percent serious. Leave really? me the fuck alone when I'm trying to when huh. I'm trying to get my shit together. See, I feel like I'd be a you... bad husband if I didn't try to comfort you in some way. Well, Would it be better if I was just like suck it up, bitch? If, like, is that how you? I don't understand what no, I'm supposed to do. You leave me alone. You let me. But then I just I feel shit. bad. I'm like my wife is crying, and I'm just uh, gonna let her do that. I guess. <laughs> like, like that sideful episode. Like I gave you a minute. Like bless you. <laughs> Like, I gave you a minute to get in there, and you didn't say anything. Uh, like, who are you to bless my wife? Like, that kind of <laughs> shit. <sighs> yeah, but, uh, yeah, that's, so that's where that came from, because Sean, and I was already like, all right, listen, stop talking about the Bible. But then he went back, and he cut all of that, and I was like, good, because it was just. It was, it was a little too much ranting. Like, I'm really angry about religion in general. He got super mad and all, got super I hate all yelly. the religions. I just do. And I, I understand nobody, nobody wants to hear that. Even people who are anti-religion are probably like, shut the fuck up. But man, it just, just growing up the way I did and being in the middle of it and seeing it from the inside, how bad it can get. And then growing up and now seeing that separation of church and state is not a thing anymore. Yeah. I don't want to talk about all that kind of stuff. It just makes me more angry. This isn't starting on the right foot at all. Why did you want to bring this up? I'm having a good time. Good for you, but... So I don't I don't really have a news story this week other than Mike Mignola shot down the rumors that they're making a Hellboy Netflix Netflix Hellboy series. Although I think Dark Horse Comics has a first look deal with Netflix, though, because of the Umbrella Chronicles. They published that. And the Umbrella Chronicles is what they Umbrella, Umbrella Academy. It. Sorry. <laughs> Umbrella like, Chronicles what? is it's a book. Related to the Resident Evil games. <laughs> I'm getting my umbrellas confused. I'm sorry. The Umbrella Corporation. And then they they had these two compendiums that came out or something. They might have been the Umbrella Archives. But I, that's, I got it. I'm sorry. The Umbrella something or other. But anyway, Dark Horse published Academy. that. Yeah. And so there's still potential there, I think, for a Netflix Hellboy series. But with how terribly this last movie did, which it didn't deserve to do terribly, but it did. Yeah, you definitely did your part to try and make it. I did. Not I, was, I was like a one man street team for that movie. I yeah. got one person. Well, that's not true. I made three people go. I got Steve to go. Me. Yeah, you to go. And then Matt. Friend of the show, Matt, reached out before it went to the Dollar Theaters. And uh, so that I, I appreciated that. That some at least one person bit when it came to my enthusiasm for the movie. Crowley, is now the time? Normally, our show is up in 45 minutes, like up for downloads. And we haven't even finished recording it yet <laughs> because it is a we holiday a, we, weekend. Yeah, we had a weird weekend. I went to cookout and then I was so exhausted. I had to I sleep. I don't remember what we did yesterday. What did we do yesterday that we didn't record? We just didn't feel like it. It's a Saturday. We don't record on Saturdays. But we, we could. It's an option. I, had, I, don't remember, I, had, I honestly don't remember what we did I yesterday. I had a meeting. Yeah, the meeting at night. I needed a nap. I'm, I'm. Yeah, you're not feeling. I I have health issues right now. Yeah, you're not feeling your best. I gotta. You always I gotta try to naps. be your best. Yeah, I do like that we still make dollhouse references for right. that, that one season. We're like, you know, there's that that contingent of people that love Firefly. We're like the dollhouse contingent. We're like, hey, remember Joss Whedon's dollhouse? And everybody's like, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> we don't. We're like, I try you know, to. All be the my Firefly best. people are like, are you a brown coat? Like, yeah, I'm a brown coat. Like they have that whole fandom going on. And I'm on. like, 
I don't feel my best, and I try to be my best. <laughs> that was the takeaway from that show. That's the only was, line was I a remember. Fun little show. Huh, it really wasn't. I thought it was fun. I watched it though. Yeah, we, we watched. every week. Yeah, we did. <laughs> we watched the shit out of that show. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, I don't have a new story either. I do have a topic. Yeah. Yeah. You just want to dive right into it? Sure. You want to go first? You want me to go first? Go ahead. Okay. So. Do your thing. Today I'm telling you a pretty quick story. All right. About Princess Anne. Princess Anne Hathaway from the Princess Diaries. Yes, I'm telling, you about, I'm telling you about Anne Hathaway. <laughs> I thought that would be she's, a great topic. She's hot. I like Anne Hathaway. Well, Princess Anne is not hot. No. Actually, no. She looks just like or Queen Elizabeth. So, Princess Anne, I didn't know existed, full disclosure. Uh, she is the second child and only daughter of Queen Elizabeth II and Prince Philip. Did you know Prince Charles had a sister? No. Me no neither. idea. So, at the time of her birth, she was third in line... Of succession to the British throne behind her mother. At the time, she was Prince Elizabeth. Princess Elizabeth. She was not Prince Elizabeth. Prince Elizabeth. <laughs> She's very progressive. <laughs> yeah, those, the, those royals. Um, but at the time, she was she was third in line. And then she was the second after her mother's ascension. But now, as of May 2019, she's 14th in line. So I don't She's understand. still alive? It's night. She's... Her mother's the queen. How could I have never heard of her? Is I've she, never fucking heard of her either. Is, is she like Zelda from Pet Cemetery? Or just, <laughs> Zelda's dead. <laughs> like I, I don't no. understand. No. They keep her in a box, like they keep her in a basket, like basket case. <laughs> so Anne was married to Captain Mark Phillips in 1973, and they divorced in 92. They have two children, four grandchildren, and in 92, within months of their divorce, Anne married. Commander, now Vice Admiral, Sir Timothy Lawrence, whom she had met when he served as her mother's equerry between. Hold on, I ought to finish my statement and then I'll tell you what an equerry is. Between 1986 and 1989. So I was like, so Sean's going to want to know what an equerry is. So I looked this up. It uh, is. What are you saying? Equerry. Equerry? Yes. Is that one word? Yes. And but I looked up the pronunciation. So. How do you spell it? Hold your horses, wordplay, because a query is the person who does horse stuff. It's like an equestrian, but not really. It's like a, uh, it's a um, oh. military commander of the horses. <laughs> now I'm just picturing a horse in charge of things with that John Mulaney bit. <laughs> and you're a horse. <laughs> no. So like it's the, you know, because they're British or whatever, they have like a. British horse person. So <laughs> British horse person. Yeah, I know lots about Brits. All right, let's running down potential show titles. I'm tired of trying <laughs> to remember them. There's one right there. <laughs> so since 2012, Queen. Nope, nope. Princess. Princess Anne has held the rank of Admiral and Chief Commandant of Women in the Royal Navy. Commandant. Commandant. I know how to pronounce that one. I still don't. I what? How does this person? We never. I've heard of so many duchesses and I have, Princess Caroline. Like, who the fuck is that? Why do I know who that is? I don't know. So I had no idea she existed until this topic was suggested by Madeline, who's a friend of mine and a listener. And 
I Googled because I was like, well, clearly she's dead. Right. Whatever this story is that, that Madeline suggested, I was like, clearly she died in this story. Yeah. That's the only thing I could figure. But she is alive and well. She is like 68. She was born in 1950. She's fine. She just looks like her mother. Huh. I mean, and you've seen Prince Philip. That's her dad. Oh, that old ass. I didn't know he existed till like a year ago. Prince Remember Philip when I saw him and yeah. I was like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> look at this motherfucker. And when you look them up, like they they're like of House Windsor, which is hilarious to me that they like. They do like the, the Game of Thrones thing. Oh, my God. Get the fuck off. Sam is trying to pull my mic right off the stand. Jesus Christ. So they yeah, they're like they don't have like last names listed or anything. They're just like Princess Anne Royal. House wow. Windsor, like calm down. You have a fucking last name. Like wh- when did they stop the inbreeding? I don't know if you've seen that their before faces. Charles or after. I can't tell. I don't know, but it, but she. So okay, and I talk about this in here, but the reason that Princess Anne in the seventies was like a big deal. I don't know what's happening with <laughs> Sam. If you guys hear the sound, he's. Crowley got a blanket gone. in his mouth. He's like, he needs oh, to be he under two under blankets. This blanket too. And he's multiple blankets. It's, it's nighttime and the dogs are normally going to bed right now. And they're. Crowley's fucking cavorting about right now. Crowley, right? Crowley has gone to bed. No, I don't think so. Well, where is he? The, he was the, in the, the kitchen other... a minute ago. No, he just ran down the hall and all the bedroom doors are shut except ours. I don't know. Maybe the cat's still in our bed or something. So anyway. So Princess Anne was one of the. You know how, remember how Prince Charles married Princess Diana, right? And it was like yeah. a big deal because, or Lady Di or whatever, because she was common. Yeah. Well, back in the 70s, she did it first. Oh. She married this guy, that, that guy I was just telling you about, um, her first husband, Mark Phillips. He was a commoner. So she hmm. did it first. And now it's like the trend, right? Like Kate Middleton is like nobody and. Right. Meghan Markle was on like, like shit ass TV shows. She was like a nobody actress. She was like a Disney actor or something. She was like a fucking D-list actress. And they were like, yeah, I'll marry you. So whatever. Which, you know what? Is score for the redheaded guy. So (laughs) whatever the hell his name is. Right. (sighs) So here's the story. She was like super popular in 1974, which is when the story takes place. She was 23. And she was apparently very fun loving at the time. She was a celebrity. She was like like how the people fo- follow the the boys now. Yeah. The princes. She was a horse rider and she had been named by BBC Sports Personality of the Year for 1971. And her marriage to commoner Mark Philip had been quite a sensation with 500 million watching the ceremony and in the television in the television I just said mm-hmm. that's what I said that's I stand by it around 8 p.m. on March 20th 1974 princess anne and her husband of 4 months were headed towards buckingham palace after attending a charity film screening anne's lady in waiting which i just assume means servant because <laughs> right I don't know what else that means. Sat across from the couple in the back of the maroon Rolls Royce limousine marked with the royal insignia. In the passenger seat rode her bodyguard, Inspector James Wallace Beaton, which is just so British. Yeah. 
he was a member of SO14, which is their like their it's Scotland Yard's special operations branch for, for royal protection. As the chauffeur drove down the mall, a road running between London's Travelgar Square. I don't know how to pronounce it. Travelgar? Yeah. How do you know how to say that? I assume. I don't know. And Buckingham Palace. A white Ford Escort overtook the and forced him to stop. They had escorts in the 70s even? I didn't what know What gets that. me is that a Ford Escort overtook a Rolls Royce. <laughs> And about 200 yards away from the palace, a bearded man with light red hair exited the car, holding two handguns. Holy shit. It's very American. Yeah. This guy is British, though. But like, you're driving an this escort is, and you have guns. Sounds very James Bond, almost. He charged towards the rear of the limo and ex- Inspector Beaton, 31, assumed that the man was a disgruntled driver and stepped out to meet him. From six feet away, the assail- assailant later identified as a 26-year-old Ian Ball, an unemployed laborer suffering suffering from mental illness, shot the officer in the right shoulder. On the night of the kidnapping attempt... Oh. Yeah. SO-14 had only assigned one man to protect the princess. Wow. But then again, only one bodyguard accompanied Queen Elizabeth on unofficial trips to and from her residence at the time. So it was pretty common. Mm. That was... Because, like, who cares about the royals, right? Like, yeah. they're just figureheads. Right. They don't really do anything. Nope. They're just, they're like the Kardashians. Only ugly. <laughs> so, although Ball would not have known the route that the limousine would take that night, the palace had publicized where Queen Anne would be. So it was pretty easy for him to figure out right. the route. And it's a giant... Maroon Rolls Royce limousine. Yeah. And I've seen the pictures. It's not really hard to find. Yeah. You know, if you saw that thing driving around, you'd be like, oh, there's Queen Anne. Yeah. Or Princess Princess Anne. Anne. If you knew who she was. Like, I wouldn't. I'd be like, what's up with that car? That'd be me. Ball had rented a car under the name of John Williams, in which police would later find two pair of handcuffs, Valium tranquilizers, a ransom letter addressed to the queen. He had typed a rambling note that criticized the royal family and and demanded two million pounds ransom delivered in five pound sterling notes, which I don't really know what that means. Because it's like five dollars, but I don't know what sterling is. Is that like coins? I don't I don't get money. <laughs> Ball asked that the Queen have the money stored in 20 unlocked suitcases and put on a plane destined for Switzerland. Queen Elizabeth II herself, wrote Ball, needed to appear on the plane to confirm authenticity. Wow. Yeah. Quite the demands. It was quite the demands. Anne's bodyguard, Inspector James Beaton, and chauffeur... Alex Callender went to disarm him, but they were shot. Like and killed or just shot? Not fatally, no. So, as a passing tabloid journalist... Oh, sorry, I read that wrong. As was a passing tabloid journalist. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, Beaton gets back... Beaton is the inspector. He gets backed up to his, to his feet and he's shot three times during the attack. 
three times. Wait, he got shot three times or he shot three times? He was a shot. Oh, he was shot three times. Yeah. So the princess and Captain Phillips did their best to hold the door shut to their limousine because they're inside there. And Princess Anne's lady-in-waiting crawled out the door on the passenger side, which was actually like the other side because England. And Beaton took the opportunity to jump back in the limo. He placed himself between the couple and their assailant, who then shot into the car. Jesus. Yeah. Beaton's hand deflected the bullet. Wow. Yeah, this dude got like riddled with bullets. But everybody, everybody lives. Wow. Yeah. So Ball then shot him the third time, causing the wound that forced Beaton out of the car and onto the ground. So the chauffeur, who's actually one of the Queen's normal drivers, stepped out to confront the gunman and Ball shot him in the chest. And he fell back onto the car, pulling, pulling the door back open. Ball then grabbed Anne's forearm as Philip kept pulling her back in. By her wrist. Yeah. This is a pretty funny exchange. So this is these are all quotes because Anne's done interviews about it. Yeah. Please come out, Ball said to Anne. You've got to come out. As the two struggled over Anne, her dress ripped, splitting it down the back. Instead of panicking, she she had what she later called a very irritating conversation with her potential kidnapper. <laughs> In response to his pleas, she she retorted, not bloody likely. <laughs> Like, that's so British. She's right. like, this is very irritating. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, I am not happy here. Into the chaotic scene ran a former boxer, Ron Russell, who punched Ball in the head <laughs> and led princess the princess to safety as police arrived. <laughs> this is crazy. That, like, if that you saw this me? in a movie, you'd be like, this is too far-fetched. No, that reminds me of the Barry episode we saw with the with the Taekwondo dough guy. <laughs> Officer Michael Hills was shot before... Ball finally was tackled to the ground. He, quote, he needs sorting, Russell later remembered thinking. The six foot four former boxer, Russell, advanced to punish the shooter for hurting a policeman. That's actually what motivated him. He saw him. So the guy, um, what a ball, he shot the cop in the gut. Nobody died, which is weird. Yeah. But he shot the cop in the gut and then like the boxer dude the former boxer was driving by and was like what is going on got out of his car went over there and fucking punched the dude in the head (laughs) so when ian ball appeared in court on april 4th his lawyer spoke about his history of mental illness but ball then gave a statement on what motivated his crime quote i would like to say that i did it because i wish to draw attention to the lack of facilities treating mental illness under the national health service ian ball pled guilty to attempted murder and kidnapping charges, sentenced to a life term in a mental health facility. He has spent at least part of his internment at Broadmoor, a high security psychiatric hospital. Even after his sentencing, the public would know little about him except his birth date and birthplace. Eyewitness accounts of his appearance and actions. And that's pretty much it. In 83, he sent out a letter to Parliament in which he claimed that this was all a hoax and that he was framed. So he's not better. Is what that's to say like he didn't he didn't get better 10 years later he's still still crazy that's an interesting story right not weird that is weird i've never isn't, heard of this lady isn't that weird yeah yeah i didn't know she existed nope no clue <laughs> yeah she's uh she's she's apparently a princess and she's almost 70 and i didn't even know she existed 
I always felt like if you hit a certain age, you weren't a princess anymore. That's always been the complaint about uh, how royalty works with with Princess Leia. They're like, well, she's General Organa now. How dare you call her Princess Leia? Like, it's insulting to be a princess. Well, tell that to Princess Anne. Yeah. She's 68. And she's got all these other titles and she's still Princess Anne. Yeah. She's a general. She's a commandant. Commandant. Whatever. She's in the Navy and shit. And she's still (laughs) in the Navy and shit. Yeah. She got horses. She rides horses. Uh, (laughs) She does horse shit. And she's like, she's still Princess Anne. (laughs) That reminds me of Hudson Hawk. when he's like, uh, the auction equestrian horse things. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love Hudson Hawk. Should we watch it real quick? In honor of Steve's birthday that's over in half an hour. Hey, we're recording in front of the show Steve's birthday. Yeah, happy birthday, Steve. Again. Uh, that's part of the reason I even wanted to do this episode. Like, Part of me was like, oh, we'll skip an episode. People will be fine. Because you were sleeping, and I didn't want to wake you because I know you're not feeling good. Yeah. And I was just like, eh, who cares? Uh, but I was thinking about Steve, who has to work on Memorial Day. <laughs> I was like, he looks forward to our podcast well, on Monday. Well, part of me, I, I was literally like, I'm going to take a... I'm going to take a page from all the other podcasts and just put up a replay from one of our early episodes. Oh, that was what I was thinking we do. I was going to record like a five minute thing like, hey, guys, there's no episode today. Thanks for tuning in, though. (laughs) Is that bad? Well, (laughs) you would do something like that and then you would do do a replay. Yeah. If we had like an editor, you know, if we had like a budget and could have a staff. That's me. I'm the editor. But no, what I mean is someone who has that we could say, hey, put a put a best of together you know put some segments together you don't want to do that right uh, well i mean i could i yeah of i course should you do could. that i should do that though so that we have it in the back burner i love it when we do when we do our our, our meetings. production meetings yeah, on I air it. i love it when we do that <laughs> i bet listeners like it's like behind the scenes kind of thing this is behind the I bet, scenes i bet listeners are like ooh, we get to see how it's done yeah to find out how the i bet they like that how the you chili like is that? made or whatever it is what is it i don't know how I don't think it's that. No. I don't think that's a thing. How the, you guys like hearing about how chili is made? Is the, that a saying? No, it's it's how the something is made. I don't remember how it is. The, that's how that's the, the I don't know. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Where's the beef? What are we talking about? <laughs> yeah, where's the beef? That's it. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, anyway. Yeah, we went. We went to my. Time um, to make the donuts. Now are, find out how the donuts are made. Is that it? There's a thing, man. What you call it, Henry? <laughs> what you call, call Henry Blow? We call Henry. We call Henry Blow. Uh, you want to watch Made real quick? Is that what you're saying? I haven't watched that in a while. I'm a tall drink of water. I gotta stretch my shit out. Right. I say that a lot. Yeah. yeah for being in your tiny. <laughs> for being five foot three, I say that a lot. Like a fair amount. Dude, I swear to God, there's like a saying. How He's, Googling something. It. He's Googling like idioms now. <laughs> I don't know how to look it up. because I'm He's missing. Googling how to make the chili idiom. Yeah. <laughs> How's that going Find for out you? how the Twinkies are made. Is that it? I don't know what to say. <laughs> I don't think it's that. Fuck. <laughs> it's not a saying. There's some kind of. I know there's a listener out there that's screaming it right now. 
and they will never tell us. <laughs> right, they'll never put, they'll never communicate it with because us. these people download our episodes and then they're like not going to so tell you anything. Listen, and then they're yeah, they're like, but we don't want to interact it anyway. But I get that though. I don't interact with any of the podcasts I right. listen to. I'm like, I I will listen to them and then be like, never going to talk to you ever. Ain't got shit to say to you. Oh, this is radio silence while Sean Googles. Yeah, just keep talking. This is going to drive me nuts. I can't. That's me. Is that royalty-free music? Yeah. Okay, good. Sure is. I'm singing it. All right. All right. Anyway, moving right along. No one cares except for the people who are screaming. I hope Steve is one of the people screaming. Time to make the donuts. Find out how the donuts are made here. Let's find out how the chili is made. So here's my holiday topic. I was in the secret sauce? I'm going to talk about the death of all the soldiers, because that's what this holiday is about. No, I'm going to talk. But it's like, no, it's not commemorating the holiday. I just mean it's kind of like a half-assed topic. Oh, it's a fucking okay. holiday. I'm like, eh. I thought my topic was pretty good for it being was, half-assed. It was it uh, largely came from the Smithsonian. Interesting. Uh, I was just going to discuss a few uh, 90s comic book characters. Oh, OK. Uh these are just characters and comics. What are you doing right now? I took a picture of oh. our thing. Um, they're characters that were created in the 90s and enjoyed varying levels of popularity. So the 90s was like the high point of comic books, basically. I know I talked about it a while ago with when all the guys, when there was like the mass exodus from Marvel and the guys went and started Image Comics, a creator-owned imprint that is still around. And if you publish... If you go to Image and they publish your comic, creators keep 100% of the rights, which hey, is still really cool. Before we get into your comics, yeah, I have a question about Steve working on Memorial Day. Yeah. Does he get holiday pay for that? Or is that just like a regular I, work day? I don't know. I don't think he does, but I could be wrong. Steve, you'll have to let us know. Did you get holiday pay for Memorial Day? And what I are your so. other holidays that you have to work? He works all the holidays. I think he gets, he gets Christmas off. You have to work Thanksgiving? Yeah, he gets Christmas off, though. He works Thanksgiving? Yeah. yeah. Are you kidding me? No. You better get double time and a half for that. Right? That is nonsense. <laughs> America. Uh, if you're outside of America, it doesn't matter. But America, when you're when you're thinking about all these places that you're like, oh, you have to people work Thanksgiving at Walmart. Here's what you're not realizing. Vendors, the people who are providing the food within that... They're also working. Yeah. So you can get so mad and be like, I'm boycotting Walmart. All right. Are you also boycotting your chip vendors? Are you also boycotting well, your pop vendors? What we found out is no one is actually boycotting. The one time we Nobody's decided to go yeah. and it was like, when, holy shit, everyone is at Target tonight. I've never seen as many people at Target. we were bored because our kids spent the night somewhere. We thought we would go. I was like, hey, let's let's go see what, what happens Friday on Thanksgiving yeah. Yeah. at the store. And we we I thought I was walking into a ghost town, right? Yeah. And we drove Turned past Walmart to get to Target, and I've never seen the parking lot more full at Walmart. And which, as you, and that's a huge parking lot. All WalMarts, no matter Super WalMarts, regular WalMarts have giant parking lots. And then Target, the I've never seen that many people. Yeah, in a it's store. Insane. I was like, okay, so no one boycotts. This is why they're open because everyone's fucking here. Because it's social media outrage. But here's right, the thing: it's not real. Yeah, it's not real outrage. So number one, it's the vocal minority. Number two, it's virtue signaling yes number three if you're gonna be the asshole who does all the virtue signaling and all that yeah. then do it 
aim it at your vendors too, because clearly it's your it's your hostess Twinkie vendors, it's your goddamn pop vendors, it's your yeah. chip vendors. Those people are also being forced to work. Right. And, so, and your pest control guy. And your pest control guy. <laughs> is being and forced like, to work too. All of these people that you're not thinking about are also being forced to work. So stop boycotting or claiming to boycott or pretending to boycott or doing your social media outrage about these people on the internet when you're leaving out these this, huge chunks of people. This is quite a rant. <laughs> it's weird that we're not more popular. That. So <laughs> we just can't. I'm just like so charming. The Isleys are very angry about different things. I'm so charming. I don't understand why people don't like me. But uh, I'm serious. Like that's that's upsetting. You know, they claim like, oh, more time for family. Don't go to these places because they need, you know, they people should be home with their families. Right. It's like bullshit. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it's a anyway. bunch of uh Sorry, I got to say I think the best example of that, though, uh, and this is going back a little ways uh, there back when Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 was released. So that's not that's not a that's but, not a real game or that's not a real. Yeah. Thing. So this was a huge at the time. It was like the biggest game going from Modern Warfare to Modern Warfare 2. I want to say it was 2007 ish. I'm guessing was the Holy year shit, that was 12 years ago. So the on PC, you have the Steam client which is basically the storefront for most PC games. I yeah, mean, it's where I'm constantly trying to be hacked there. So I'm always, trying, <laughs> so to always trying to log into your account. You're not yeah. still getting that issue, are you? Only on occasionally. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. But anyway, Only like once a week or so. So this it was used covered to be once a day there. This this was covered by all the gaming websites at the time. That's the only reason I know about it. But so for, I don't even remember why, but for whatever reason, there was a boycott Modern Warfare 2 thing going on and it was over something stupid. It wasn't even over like some like this was before you had all the SJWs, the, the social outrage. This was over something that they didn't like a feature or something about, you know, it was just like a selfish thing. It was something really stupid. Yeah. And then so on on Steam, they, they created a group called Boycott Modern Warfare 2 and all these people joined the group. And then the game got released and somebody released a screenshot of that group. And what Steam does, much like Xbox Live or PlayStation, you can see who is playing what. So many Everybody. people in the uh, boycott Modern Warfare 2 were playing Modern Warfare 2. And that just sums up how people actually are. Who are you talking to? Esty. Hey, Esty. <laughs> let's get through this. So, yeah, that's that's what people actually do. They they cause a big hubbub and then the game comes out and they go and buy it and they're playing it. And it's it's yeah, that's how people are in the real yeah, world. Yeah, it's bullshit. And it's like people want and I understand. OK, let me rephrase this. I understand wanting to be better. I get it. Right. But practice what you preach or don't preach at all. Right. Or just don't draw like if you don't have to draw attention every time you do something that you think is virtuous. You know, you don't have to well, especially, talk about it. Especially if you're basing your practices on the Bible, quote unquote. Well, yeah, you're not supposed to draw attention. You're not supposed. That's why I always hated Tim Tebow, because it always says pray, well, pray in private. That's, a, you know, it's in the Bible. I, that's why I really hate certain people in my life is because <laughs> they always they can't just do well and do good things for others. No, they you have can't to do nice things. It's like it's like the tree in the forest for them. It's like, but if nobody hears it, did I do it? So they have to tell everyone. They have to tell everyone what yeah. they've done. 
everyone. <laughs> like they can't just do nice things and do good. All right. Superman. So anyway, back to my 90s comic book characters. I'm just going to touch on a few that I enjoyed whose comics are still available in digital form or trade paperback. Um, so the first one is The Max, created by Sam Keith. Came out in 1993 mm -hmm. and ended up getting a show on MTV. Sure did. And I'm just going to read snippets from uh, Wikipedia about some of this stuff because it, it summarizes it nicely. Oops. So the series follows the adventures of the titular hero in the real world and in an alternate reality referred to as the Outback. In the real world, the Max is a vagrant homeless man living in a box. But in the Outback, he is the powerful protector of the Jungle Queen. Oh, the Jungle man. Queen exists in the real world as Julie Winters, a social worker, a freelance social worker. That's not a top. That's not a real job. <laughs> anyway, like you can't be a freelance social worker. She often bails the Max out of jail. While the Max is aware of the Outback, Julie is not, though it is integral to both of their stories. So this was a really cool comic because he is not a traditional superhero by any means. First of all, he's not a superhero. He's superhero. a mentally ill homeless man. He is. But and that's but his very whole, sad. It is sad. And that's the whole thing with this story, too, is. Uh, the thing that drew me in was the artwork, Sam Keith's artwork, the big purple and yellow guy. Um, Crowley is really distracting me, and it's bizarre. I don't know why he's so up and active right Crowley now, is, but is really annoying me. Crowley is normally like in bed at this hour, and he is the it's, most active dog in the world right now. Yeah, he hasn't he, laid down this entire recording session. I don't know if he did a bump or something, but he, he <laughs> will not settle not. the fuck down. I hope not. Dog will have a heart attack. So... The antagonist, the main antagonist in this story is a guy named Mr. Gone, who's a serial rapist with a telepathic link to Julie. And he has extensive knowledge of uh, other people's outbacks. So okay. I don't know what that means. <laughs> everybody right, has like this kind of this place they go to. Uh, it's like an escape from reality. And in, the, in this series, it's called the, the Outback. I feel like having a rapist as your main bad guy is just terrifying. It is. And also he's connected to these characters and stuff. I like, don't like you, you it. Uh, like the do, whole thing with the do, Max. Do, do. Uh, like one night she accidentally hits a homeless man with her car. Uh, remember what happened last time she, uh, she last time she tried to help someone, which was a hitchhiker. The hitchhiker uh, raped her and left her to die. Uh, they don't really show that. So anyway, one night she hits a homeless man. She remember what happened last time. So she covers the unconscious body with garbage and in doing so unintentionally opens a link to the outback after she leaves a lampshade in the trash. Now, these are very weird stories, but uh, expands over his body, becoming a mask that costumes him and links him to Julie. And his name's Dave. And he's also the Max. And like that's it's all about spirit animals and totems and dealing with with trauma and stuff. Uh, Sam Keith was uh, known for writing a lot of like strong female female protagonists back then. Like he had a the Zero Girl series and Ojo and stuff like that. Um, but this was the thing that like really broke him and, and made him big. But anyway, uh, is that why the mask has those like that front thing, like the teeth looking things? Yeah, yeah. That's a that's supposed to be a lampshade. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, and then like it all has to do with, with the trauma of like um. Like her spirit animal was is a rabbit because when she was young she rescued a dying rabbit that laid in the road in front of her house 
and she later witnessed the the mother killing the rabbit. Uh, the mother no, of the I'm rabbit? Sorry, with, or witnessed, I'm mother? sorry, witnessed her mother killing the rabbit. She was beating it with a shovel to put it out of his misery. Oh, my so, God, please do that with cats. Lovely. Yeah, uh, I told you, I... This is why when I attend family gatherings of other people's families and they're nice, I get very confused. <laughs> it's just, my isn't grandpa, it weird? <laughs> my grandpa liked to kill cats with shovels. He would brag about it. He would tell he would me brag. about these stories, like yeah. when you, about what a sadistic, psychopathic child he was. That's as, why as when, my, to be impressed. when my book comes out, people are going to be like, oh, come with me to freaking Bellevue. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so she, so she projects the the rabbit onto Dave as she tries to take care of him like the rabbit that she was unable to save. So the, the story is actually more about Julie than it is about the Max. And eventually he's not even in the story anymore. And it goes, uh, start, I can't remember the, the girl's name, but uh, Sarah, who's actually Mr. Gaughan's daughter. Um, Julie kills Mr. Gaughan pretty quick, like five issues or three issues into the series. She cuts his fucking head off. So like That's he's not fun. around for very long in physical form. But Julie doesn't even know about the Outback, I thought you said. She's not aware of her outback. Okay. Like she kind of like closed it off. But. Um, oh, OK. Yeah. This is this is quite a statement on your mental states and your. Yeah, it's a, it's, that's what the max is. It's not a traditional. I don't superhero want anything story. to do with this. <laughs> yeah. It's about again, it's about dealing with trauma and, and how, how people deal with trauma. I've, so, already, and then it, I've already got enough of my own trauma. I don't need Julie's. Eventually, uh, Sarah becomes the main character. That's a. a, a it's a young girl who turns out to be Mr. Gon's daughter, and she has her own Max, who is based on like a horse totem. And that's kind of where I lost interest in the thing is when they got rid of uh, Dave. I like the Dave Max was my, my character. All right. Moving right along. And you don't get to be a freelance social worker. That's it's, a freelance, a it's a comic book. Yeah, that's your biggest issue with everything just, I just said. Huge, that's a huge issue. <laughs> is that the biggest? Is that the yes. worst problem out of all the stuff I just? Uh, yes. All right. So this this is. So a lot of people probably heard people of our generation probably know the Max somewhat from the MTV show. If, even if they didn't watch it, they might remember seeing commercials for it or something. MTV um, oddities. They did a show and the show was great because they they it was Sam Keith's artwork in the show, which was great. And the voices matched up really well. And, it, and they literally just animated his his uh, comic book uh, panels. They just animated and the voices them. were so like this like it was nobody wanted to be there and everybody was tired and yeah. worn out yeah i like that it that's how very, when you read the comic those kind of the voices you heard julie was like, very sarcastic this is julie's voice every time she talked well that's more you sound more like sarah actually than julie okay whatever <laughs> but like, julie didn't really sound like that like that's that's what i heard every single time you watched it all right, this is this is one of my favorites. This is a much lesser known one, but the creators are are pretty well. well the main creator is not as well known as one of the collaborators. But anyway, uh, this came out in 1994, and it's called Scud the Disposable Assassin. You do like that? I love Scud the Disposable. It only wow. went for 24 issues, uh, most of which were published between 1994 and 1998, one through 20, and then took a 10 year hiatus and then wrote the last four issues. Classic. It's an independent comic book. So this this is a comic I just like the Max I discovered on its first issue. I just I saw the artwork. I saw it at a grocery store of all places. You are such a hipster. 
What, because I saw a comic book on a magazine shelf? Because you're like, the first episode was better than the first That's episode. not what I'm saying. I'm just saying when I discovered it. So Scud I discovered on the second issue. Oh, wow. And Garbage. It's still pretty early on. Um, but I was, I was just drawn to the name, the cover art, everything. I was like, I don't know what this is, but it looks fantastic. And I just bought it. And uh, and now uh, the creator, Rob Schrab, I actually got. Oh, you have shit by him. Yeah, he, I recently got a signed copy of issue number one. Plus, he sent that sketch that he of Scud too. So that yeah. was really cool. Um, Is that a reprint though? No. Oh. No, that's that's yeah. A legit... Because today at the cookout, you like did your fake spitting when, at talking about reprints. I don't like second printing, which made like the entire table lose it. <laughs> well, second printings are. Yeah, as a comic book collector. The entire fucking mute. table was like, what is happening? <laughs> you just nerded out like hardcore in the middle of a cookout. As a comic book collector, <laughs> second printings are like leftover leftovers. Like you don't want say like it's just like you missed the boat. Either get the first printing or or just fucking get the trade paperback at that or point. Just read it on the internet. Yeah. The second printing. Jesus Christ. <laughs> second printings aren't worth anything. Sean does this thing where he does a fake spit. And he did that. When, yeah, that. And he did that while he was. So when he, when he mentioned the second printing, and like Logan just fucking lost it. It was so funny. Uh, oh, it was solid. So Scud the Disposable Assassin, uh, published by Fireman Press, which I don't think exists anymore. And I don't know that they really published anything else other than stuff by Rob Schrab. So this was just a great concept. Uh, it's about a world in which you can buy a robot assassin out of a vending machine and they self-destruct upon termination of their target. So you purchase a disposable assassin, you that's, assign it a target. That's really convenient. Once it completes its mission, it, does it blows up. So this particular, uh, this is a Heartbreaker Series 1373 model assassin whose name is Scud. And he's been assigned to kill someone named Jeff and Jeff is a uh, she is a, Wait, a mutant. Jeff's a female? Yeah. Uh, she's a mutant with mouse traps for hands, an electrical oh. plug for a head and a squid for a belt and she has oh. mouths on her knees I remember too. Oh yeah, mouths yeah. So this was a pretty wacky comic book, right? So anyway, there's this big what? protracted battle with Jeff he's trying to kill her and he ends up in a restroom and he sees in the mirror this tag on his back, this little warning sticker that says this unit will self-destruct upon. And he's and because he's not aware of this information <laughs> until now. So now he's like, oh, fuck, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. If I if kill I... this thing. So he maims Jeff. He blows off all her limbs and then puts her in the hospital and then starts doing freelance assassinations to pay for her medical bills to keep her alive. <laughs> so it's a great concept, right? Scud oh. is also the inspiration for the Meeseeks, by the way, in Rick and Morty. Oh. The one time. So that kind of. Oh. That was one of the inspirations because Dan Harmon actually worked on issues four, five, eight, nine, 13 through 15, and 17 through 19 of Scud. Rob Schrab and Dan Harmon are friends back in the day. Aha. Yeah. So Dan Harmon is pain to a <laughs> Dan Harmon, you probably know from either Rick and Morty or Community now. Pretty big deal. Great writer. Very funny guy. So he uh, 
he collaborated with Rob Schraub. Rob Schraub has, I think he directed some episodes of Community, maybe as well. Uh, they're they're still friends. Crowley is like, "Hey guys, part time, excellent. Yeah, <laughs> like, what's not. going on, He's guys? Driving me fucking nuts." He is up and at him. <laughs> so anyway, what happened here is uh, with issue twenty, the the series went on a hiatus with a cliffhanger because Rob Schraub was growing dissatisfied with the direction the story was taking, and so he stepped back from the book rather than allowing things to get worse. So he stepped back for ten years. At the same time, his career in Hollywood began to pick up. There was a movie called Monster House, a CG movie, and it was a really good movie. Do you remember Monster House? Yeah, I remember Monster House. But he wrote that. Oh. So that's one of the that's probably one of the things he's better known for. And so he was. I feel like I only know Monster House, though, because we have kids. Right. That's the only reason I saw. I had no interest in it, but I think somebody bought it for him. And I watched it. I was like, this is a really good kids movie. I remember remember Monster House. Um, I was just talking. Yeah. This so dog then has in, decided today's the day he's going to learn how to speak English <laughs> and right now on this podcast. So then in 2007, he announced on his blog his plans to finish Scud in four parts, issues 21 through 24. And then he put out an omnibus of all 24 issues, which is called Scud, the whole shebang, which I have over there if you ever want to read it. All of a sudden, I'm like, now's the time that I'm going to Google Rob Schrab. I've right now. Uh, some of his podcasts... The, he kind of shared his state of mind during the process, opportunities that he passed up so he could finish the book, and a view of the process he uses when he creates a comic page. Ah, his sibling is Jeff Schrab. I'm guessing that's where Jeff got her name. Oh, yeah. So he decided to conclude with four issues, say, saying he couldn't just close it out in one issue. He wanted Scud to go out with a bang, so he closed it out with four issues. So uh, that went on. There was a video game that came out on the Sega Saturn that we have that... Uh, that I've played on Logan's Sega Saturn. It's not a great game, but it's cool just to see Scud in another uh, format, another media format, because he was never, you know, he never got a movie. They actually optioned a movie at one point. Yeah, a lot of great cast of characters here. One of my favorites is a guy named Drywall. (laughs) And his body contains, he has zippers all over his whole body, and his body contains an unlimited amount of storage space, and he can hold everything from weapons to furniture. And he, you can't understand him. Only Scud can understand him. So when he talks in the word bubbles, it's just a bunch of gibberish, basically. So and only Scud can understand. It. So he's like, R2, idea how he's like R two D two, basically. What's up? So do you have any idea how obnoxious that would be? <laughs> um. Yeah. So I'm looking at his IMDb because I can't help it. That's no. what happens. Um. And he wrote. He. Wrote Monster House, as you know. Yep. And then he was a writer on the Academy Awards in 09. And then he was one of the creators of the Silver Sarah Silverman program. Yes, I did know that, too. I forgot that, though. And then he also wrote an episode of Children's Hospital, which was pretty funny. Yeah. Huh. That's fun. Let's see what he's been a director on. Mystery Science Theater 3000. He's directed <laughs> Community. He's directed 10 episodes of Community, actually. I like that my topic has become your topic. Look at you getting involved. He directed getting He directed Mindy Project. He directed four episodes of that. He directed two episodes of Workaholics. He directed an episode of Parks and Rec. I mean, he's directed some stuff. He's, he's been around. Yeah. But he Tenacious started... D? Like, okay, okay, okay. He started with this crazy, crazy, very 90s comic, which I love. So go check. Again, you can get it digitally 
on on Comicsology, which is Amazon's comic book reading app. You can buy the whole shebang uh, omnibus on on Amazon. Um, he was he was an actor in one of the episodes of Community. He's voiced on Rick and Morty. He's voiced on Uncle Grandpa. Good morning. <laughs> All right. So anyway, uh, there have been two attempts to adapt Scud into a film and a TV show. A live action feature film was optioned by producer Oliver Stone. I'm sorry. <laughs> Oliver Stone was like, hell yeah, Scud the Disposable Assassin. I feel like he's going to turn it into something else. Uh, but it's going to be like a gritty character piece. Right? The option lapsed in the early 2000s. The second attempt was to adapt Scud into a TV series for MTV, but then uh, they, they were casting it, and then it uh, stopped in 2004. I feel like I feel like FX or Netflix. Now, it, like Adult Swim would be a great home An for it. Swim. There's a lot of places yeah. that could do something like that. All right, and last but not least, and this is not an independent comic, but this is a character that I love, that a lot of people know, that got, they were introduced to this character if they saw Deadpool 2. Deadpool. His name is Cable. Nah, just Deadpool. Um, Cable has the most convoluted backstory of any comic book character hey, I know. Before you get into that, can you talk about how tall he actually is supposed I'll, to be? I'll get into it. Not okay. beforehand, but I plan to get into it. I plan to it's just how I stuff. felt when you were all like jumping the shark with my stuff. Did that story the way to use that? Jumping the shark? No, I, I'll get into that. Jumping I appreciate the shark. I appreciate your interest, though. Jumping the shark. Albeit, even if it's feigned, that's fine. Uh, well, because <laughs> I recently found out how tall Deadpool, or no, Cable. cable. All right, Cable's actual name is Nathan Summers. No shit. I know. <laughs> this is a podcast. <laughs> I don't know if you know this. I know. I pointed to the mics as... as, um, as again, they can't see that. So he is the son. All right. <sighs> He is the son of Scott Summers, who you might Madeline know Pryor. as the X-Man Cyclops. I do know him as that. And Madeline Pryor, who is Jean Grey's clone. Anything else? Look at you. Yeah, you're going to get laid tonight. Look at you go. All right. <laughs> That's a punishment. That was a threat. <laughs> <That's> a p- <laughs> that was a threat. You all heard it. <laughs> you earned it. So, so yeah, he uh, he's actually the son of Cyclops. And he has a clone named Strife. He has a clone? Yeah, he has a clone. He has a lot oh, of clones, my but God, Strife is the main the... one. Strife is evil, of course. Well, it's weird because I thought Cable was evil, but he's not. So here's the thing. Um, <laughs> here's it, the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Of all uh, the things. So he was created by Fabian Nicieza and... Or no, I'm sorry. I'm lying. He was created by uh, Rob Liefeld and Louise Simonson. I thought Fabian Nicieza was involved, but he was not. Um, Rob Liefeld also created Cable, or no, created Deadpool about a year later. Um, Cable was first? Yeah. Oh, interesting. And he was way bigger than Deadpool for a very long time. Like, I remember uh, in like 90, probably 93, and his first appearance was in New Mutants number 87. And which came out in 1990 and even just three years later that issue was selling for like 80 to 100 dollars and i really i really wanted it but obviously i was like i could never spend that much on a comic book as a teenager on a couple pieces of paper so meanwhile i picked up new mutants 98 in like 1998 for eight dollars because deadpool still hadn't taken off yet i mean for whatever reason even though he's only like a year younger than 
than cable and now it's the opposite so you can get a copy of new mutants 87 for um I don't know, 100 to 200 dollars, whereas your average U Mutants 98 first appearance of Deadpool is usually between three to 500, depending on the condition. So, and then what if it's CGC and it's a nice? That's what I mean. That's what the the whole fluctuate. There's a lot of different grades, and if you buy it loose or if you buy it what graded, what it's a 9.6? 9.6s are selling uh, between 350 and 400 right now. Like, are you talking about mine? You want to sell my copy of New Mutants 98? Is that you're just, getting at? I'm just asking. Uh, but that's not gonna happen. But I still need New Mutants '87. That's one of those comics I need to get. But you, you can get that, like I said, for between 100 and 200 dollars. That's, that's like nothing, right? Bitch. <laughs> oh, hey, we have a Patreon. But it's funny that the, <laughs> we have a Patreon. If you want to pledge one to 200 dollars a month, so Sean or just one coming. time and then cancel, that'd be great. Then I can get my cable first appearance. <laughs> or if you just want to PayPal us. I've only wanted it since 1993. <sighs> um. Oh my god my birthday's coming up yeah all right so oh, cable was not intended on. initially to be the adult version of nathan summers but he, he was created as a result of unrelated editorial concerns editor at the time bob harris wanted to wait i'm really confused so nathan summers existed nathan summers existed as a child oh okay chris uh, claremont who's a well-known x-men writer he, he wrote like the days of future past and, and all those. Uh, I hate that title so much. <laughs> it's a very apt title because they do a lot of time hopping in those comics. I don't understand. Don't understand it. So all the way back in like 1985, he revealed Madeline Pryor was pregnant. And uh, the next depiction of her pregnancy was in issue number 200 in 1986, it looks like. Um, and Nate, that's when Nathan first appears as a newborn infant. So the first time you see Cable, though, is New Mutants 87 in 1990. Uh, so, again, he, he was not intended to be Cable was not intended to be Nathan Summers initially. This was kind of a bit of retconning, which we've talked about retroactive continuity. So Bob Harris wanted to shake things up for the book and felt a new leader was needed, one that was distinct from the X-Men leader, Professor X. So the book's writer, Louise Simonson. Uh, she thought a military leader would be a good idea. And Harris asked Rob Liefeld to conceptualize the character. That's uh, why he has all the pouches. Yes. Harris may also have suggested the character's bionic eye. Um, Simonson and Liefeld each separately conceived of the leader being a time traveler from the future. Because he's got robot virus or whatever. The techno virus, techno organic virus, yes. So, um, He's got robot penis. <laughs> so he has an incredibly convoluted history that I'm really not going to go into. I just mostly want to talk about the fact like I was just drawn again with Rob Liefeld. I was always just drawn to his art. His art was very dynamic. You like his feet. I don't like the feet. That's what you, that's what you were saying. But again, as in 1993, You're it like, was just the, the pouches and feet those are your things the giant guns the giant characters he he had some really cool concepts he wasn't a great writer and he, he designed tons of characters and really only two have stayed with us which are cable and deadpool he designed like in that first appearance of deadpool there are two other characters appear i guess one of them does count which is domino we know domino from deadpool 2 yeah and the other one is uh gideon nobody fucking knows gideon but he created the shatter star character i know gideon graves yes yeah, not that the same guy the same not the Jason same guy. Schwartzman. 
So, but he was always creating characters. I like Jason Schwartzman. That has nothing to do with this Gideon. Okay. Looks nothing like him. But anyway, uh, so getting to, to your point, in the comics, Cable's a huge guy covered in pouches, carrying guns that are as big as he is, and he is six foot eight. That is shocking. Yeah. That is shocking because Josh Brolin is like five four. <laughs> he looks pretty short, and they went with a he short is, guy. He is my height. And that's one of those things where I, Josh Brolin is a great actor. He does a great Thanos. And obviously they made him a lot bigger with CG for Thanos because he is a short guy. Uh, but they cast Josh Brolin and he did a great job. But man, he Cable is literally six foot eight, 350 pounds. He looks like the guy who plays the mountain in Game of Thrones, basically. And I don't know if that guy can actually act because they don't let him speak ever. And I know he's he's like uh, Icelandic yeah. motherfucker is a Viking. Yeah, he's he's a Nord of some kind, of some stripe. But uh, that would have been like the perfect body type for Cable, though. You know, like somebody that big. That's Cable. Uh, and it, it's one of those things too. Like when they cast Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, and me and probably other comic book fanboys, I don't know because I didn't know any at the time, were upset because we're like Wolverine is five foot three and covered in hair. This guy is beautiful and he's six foot one or whatever. Like, that's not fucking that's not Wolverine, you know, but he he seemed to play a fine Wolverine. He played a he fine like, Wolverine. He did. He had like 17 movies. I am not I'm not upset. It's just it's one of those cat. You know how everybody you had the backlash. You to know Robert why I Pattinson. like Hugh Jackman? It's because his wife looks like a normal human being. Like his wife isn't like a supermodel or whatever. Yeah, she's yeah. just like normal lady. Yeah. And he's like, my wife's the best. I love my wife. Yeah. And like he looks like Hugh Jackman and she's like normal lady person. And he's like, have you seen my wife? I'm going to the beach. I was like, that's awesome. But uh, that's how America. No, I have nothing against Hugh Jackman. And he did a great job as Wolverine. But it's one of those fanboy reactions that I had initially, which and it's honestly one of the only ones I've had. Like, I was happy when they cast Ben Affleck as Batman. I was like, oh, he's fucking perfect. Oh, yeah, you're, you're stupid. And uh, and he was still perfect. I, you're so dumb. I was too young to care about casting when with Michael Keaton. I was like, I don't, I don't know who this guy is, but I can't wait to see Batman. Uh, you were like, multiplicity is the best movie ever. And then I Robert Pattinson with Batman. I think he could do a fine job. Batman's not a hard character to play. I just hope he puts on some weight, some muscle. I appreciate that. Oh, my God. That's it, though. But I know he could do... He, I'm well, sure how did you feel about Mel Kilmer? Kilmer? Were you I like, don't. No, it's, again, were I don't. Like, what about care? the lump on his arm? <laughs> is that you? No, that, that was later. I think that I noticed that. Only in Heat did I ever notice that. But no, uh, Val, I have no problem. Val Kilmer is a fine actor. It's whatever happened to him. The writing was terrible for those movies. It's not. It's not George Clooney and Val Kilmer's fault that those movies sucked. Whatever happened to Val Kilmer? No, it's not. That's not my. I don't know. You're really diverting here. Um, it's fucking so as as a fan. Man. So I'm hoping, though, with with Marvel taking over the X-Men universe, maybe they'll cast somebody who's as good as Hugh Jackman, but who's also short and hairy, but not Danny DeVito. Like people are petitioning as a goof. There's got to be other short. And you know what? It doesn't have to be a known. No, movie. I hope it's not. Most of the guys they had in the Marvel universe weren't known. So find a short guy, make him look hairy. Uh, but I would love to see a short guy play. Wolverine. And there's a lot of short guys in Hollywood. Yeah, get Patton Oswald. What's so, he doing? Uh, Daniel Radcliffe is short and hairy, but he's a terrible actor. He's a terrible, terrible actor. Uh, you don't know that he still is. He was a child yeah. when he was in Harry Potter. He's not a Wolverine. <laughs> he is not a Wolverine. <laughs> you can't convince me Daniel Radcliffe is a Wolverine. Well, I mean, you watched that one movie, Tusk. 
Yeah. Wasn't he in that? No. Oh. What was that movie he was in? I don't know. He was in that. He was in a movie that was like fucked up like that. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't I'm sorry. Either. I don't either. I don't really follow the guy. But that's all I have this week. And I'm going to go deal with Crowley. So we're going to cut this short because he's his jaw is shaking. He really wants to go outside. So Okay. All right. So it's thanks done. for listening. He's chattering. Bye. <laughs>